Good morning, friends. It is Gary Morris from the DOC Group of Companies. It is March 10th, 2022. For those of you tuning, turning, tuning in in the West, good morning. For those of you in the East, good afternoon. I am super excited today. I'm going to take a walk down memory lane with uh, a friend of mine, someone who has been uh, super impactful to the, the city of Vancouver, but the NHL uh, in general. My guest today is Mr. Trevor Linden. I'm going to quickly walk through some bullet points on his uh, bio. Trevor Linden was a professional hockey player from Medicine Hat, Alberta. Trev was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks in 1998. He had a 20-year NHL career. During that time, he played in 1,506 games, scored 409 goals, and had 557 assists. He was um, he earned the nickname, the beloved nickname, as Captain Canuck. He's one of Canada's most respected athletes and recognized for his leadership, his commitment, his talent and character, both on and off the ice. He was named uh, captain of the Vancouver Canucks in 1990, two years after joining the team at the incredibly young age of 21 years old, the uh, youngest player to uh, wear the C at that time. He represented Canada, the World Hockey Junior Championships and the Olympic Winter Games in Nagano. He won the Memorial Cup uh, two times uh, back to back. Um, in his retirement in 2008, the Canucks retired number 16. It's only one of six uh, jerseys to ever be retired by the team. He has been active as the team uh, representative to the NHLPA, the NHL Players Association, uh, where he actually served eight years as their president. Later on after hockey, uh, Trev transitioned to uh, the corporate world uh, where he was president of hockey operations, for the Vancouver Canucks. He is known for his incredible community service. Get this. He has not only received the Order of British Columbia, but he's also received the Order of Canada. His dedicated to the community, you know, continues today. He has projects uh, such as, uh, over the years, such as Trevor London Foundation, huge, huge supporter of uh, Canuck Place and BC Children's Hospital. Uh, Trev, since he left the world of hockey, has transitioned to the business world. He is an act active partner in Club 16, Trevor Linden Fitness, with 16, 16 clubs in British Columbia, Cheese Fit, Orange Theory. Uh, he is also an uh, investor and a developer. He loves fitness and high-performance sport, and they continue to be a big part of his life. Trev enjoys cycling, cross-country skiing, and mountaineering. Trev and his wife, Christina, live in Vancouver, B.C., uh, you can often find them cycling uh, in the uh, cycling or on the slopes at Whistler in the Okanagan. Uh, they have a four and a half year old little boy, Roman. Trev, good morning and thank you to the program. Hey, Gary, uh, you just had to show that draft photo, didn't you? I mean, the one, <laughs> yeah. one thing, I mean, it's all good except that draft photo where I got that silly looking hat on. Boy, yeah, what pretty, uh, pretty, pretty crazy times. It's interesting, yeah. Trev, as I, um, as I sort of was doing some some prep to, you know, sort of get ready for this call, as I was saying to you earlier, it was sort of a walk down memory lane for me, and mm. and so incredibly nostalgic. I mean, obviously, I'm from British Columbia, and I've been a, a Vancouver Canuck uh, fan, you know, for most mm. of my life, and you know, certainly from from my standpoint, being in Vancouver, we just know how unbelievably impactful you were to the Canucks, but but more importantly. You know, I think for your legacy and, and and for your history was what you did for the community and for the city and for gelling people together. Really extraordinary. So first off, I just want to say thank you for that. Yeah. Well, I often think, Gary, you know, that that draft day, June 11th, 1988, I often think, boy, that was such an impactful day because 
so much of my life unfolded because of that day. Had I been drafted to, you know, Minnesota picked before me, you know, Quebec picked after me, Winnipeg was, I mean, if I went to one of these other cities, what would my life look like? It would be completely different. So I was um, super fortunate to come to a great city and, and be part of this uh, uh, town, not only on the hockey landscape, but also just in the, in the community, which I've met so many great people. So it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride. It's um, you know, I've kind of made Vancouver was home basically right away. And it's been uh, just feel so fortunate um, that it worked out that way. Yeah. And I think you were drafted second overall. Uh, I mean, you know, crazy, right? You were a medicine, a medicine hat kid. Uh, you know, let's, let's start there. Actually, let's go back and talk about you growing up. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to maybe just, you know, explore sort of like where you came from, your background, what you were like as a kid. Uh, before we jump into that, guys, anyone who wants any questions, as always on the comment section, feel free to send us a question for Trev that we'll get to, uh, certainly make a, um, a, a post, uh, hashtag today is hashtag grit G R I T. Uh, that's a book that uh, Trev has really enjoyed uh, that he's read over the years. We're going to be giving away 50 of those books as well to uh, anyone who's uh, making a post or a uh, comment. But uh, so please feel free, guys, to uh, jump in. Also, a quick uh, thank you to our sponsor, First Nat, for all the good work that they do. So, Trev, you grew up in Medicine Hat. And for those of you yeah. who don't know, Medicine Hat is a, is a uh, you know, small town in British Columbia, um you were there since you were a little boy or your parents were, yeah, were you know what, uh, yeah so gary I was, I was the the second of three boys uh i was born in 1970 uh my my oldest brother was born in 68 we're two years apart youngest brother in 72 and i was born uh you know interesting um um you know medicine that's a small prairie town uh it's windy it's cold uh there's no hills there's no trees there's no water it's pretty flat um i was born there in 1970 and and my parents it's interesting, my dad at that time, him and him and his dad were in business and they had gone through a tough time in the late 60s and kind of they were in a rough spot. My dad kind of um, went into business on his own after that. They were kind of out of money and as they say, they were broke at the time. So I was born and we were living in a trailer park in Medicine Hat and and, um, uh, uh, yeah, and my dad actually, you know, kind of got on, on the right track in the 70s and had a really, you know, really got go on my mom was the bookkeeper and but um yeah i mean i um grew up very humbly and and um uh yeah and i it's interesting because i i my parents had nothing to do with hockey not athletic at all uh and they had no idea why their four-year-old son wanted to watch hockey night in canada uh on saturday nights and they were baffled by this and um and i wanted to play hockey and they had no idea why and i'll never forget one of the greatest days of my life my mom came home from a garage sale with a pair of tony esposito skates um for me and and that kind of started i went to the outdoor rinks and um there's a i've got photos of it there's this i i just this one day i just wanted to go skating and i i wanted to go so bad and and my dad was like listen trev it's minus 30 out we, we're not like it's too cold and i just insisted on going so he took me out there and i was skating around shooting a puck around and he sat in the truck while it was running and watched me and and um but they had no idea i had this love for the game and where it came from and you were very active in sports i mean i know you played a lot of sports you did some speed skating you played some some baseball as well uh, a couple other sports um were your brothers uh in hockey as well did they uh take to it like you did or or, or was it just uh, you yeah, that's, you know, we were, I was a hockey player in the winter. I was a baseball player in the summer. I, you know, I thought I'm going to play in the major leagues when I was playing baseball in the summer. That's as kids, that's what we did. We didn't have, you know, like we didn't, obviously back then we'd have screens and that sort of thing. So 
we basically were outside uh, all the time playing uh, playing hockey, playing baseball, football, whatever it may be. So my younger brother actually uh, played in the Western League, and um, as he says, uh, when people asked if he if he played in the NHL, he said yes, and they asked how long, he says long enough to get a hockey card. I think he played three games in the National Hockey League and got sent down. True story: the first game he got sent back to the minors. Uh, towards ACL, MCL, blew his knee and, and never really made it back. So, but um, yeah, we're all, all three of us are very close to this day, uh, but all had kind of, uh, you know, enjoyed sports as kids. Unbelievable. And your dad was building a business at the time and that sort of stuff. Was it, uh, you know, was it, was it hard to get the parent support? Were they there for you? I mean, once they realized you, you loved it, did they, were they all in there? Yeah. You know, my, my dad, um, I mean, they, my, my family is on to, entrepreneurial my dad worked his his tail off and you know he became had a great the 70s in alberta were great and my dad built a business and they became you know they're very successful um uh but my mom and my mom was really the glue that kept our family together and she regardless of what we didn't have as far as financial means she made sure that whatever we wanted to do we're able to do it and if it was going to garage sales it was going to the swap shop getting us equipment was that was going to happen if we wanted to play we we were you know she made it happen and and um i think the one thing that you know and this maybe relates back to the book grit that i that that we were talking about earlier is that um you know as as a kid i was a i was i was a self-driver my parents weren't pushing me to play they they, they didn't they weren't athletic they weren't uh uh into hockey it was me kind of driving the bus and, and, um, and they were very supportive. I remember being 10, 11 years old and it was kind of frustrating because they didn't know anything about hockey. So I'd go and play and, 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 uh, oh, look at that. Wow. Jeez, that's, a, that's a, that's a classic. So I go play a game and, you know, I was very you know self-aware of my performance. And if I, if I felt like I didn't play well, I'd be annoyed, but my mom and dad were so supportive. They were always like, Trev, good game. You should be proud of yourself. You played well. And I'd got mad. I'd get mad because we're like, guys, I didn't play well. That's not right. You I mean, but you know, so, but I think that, um, it, I, I think that it, what it taught me is I was, I was a self-starter. I was, I was, I was pushing the ball down the, down the track. Um, you know, it wasn't them kind of, you know, Hey, you know, let's let's you got to play and so it was um very much up to me and that was uh you know when i look back at it um that was a positive yeah interesting because uh you know during that time as you played hockey in medicine hat you obviously uh were offered a scholarship and you decided to stay in medicine hat and uh, and play where you ultimately went on uh to win uh back-to-back -back memorial cups which you know in the nhl or sorry in the uh, whl and you know hockey in general is a big big deal yeah. At what point when you were in medicine hat playing, did you actually sort of say, Hey, I got to leave some of the other sports now. I think I might have a chance. Yeah. Well, from the, from the minute I was four years old, uh, I, I remember like in kindergarten, five years old, I think I, I, or grade one, I wrote a little note saying, I want to be a hockey player. I want to play in the NHL and score lots of goals. I have that framed in my wow. office. And, um, uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, from that moment, I, that's the, I was a one, I had a one track mind. That's all I wanted to do. So, that was pretty clear for me as a, as a, as, as a boy. And, and, and keep in mind back in the seventies in Alberta, there was no Evans and Oilers. There's no Calgary flames. So 
really the the NHL was a was a was a TV show on Saturday night for us. So that's what we watched. Yeah. On, but it wasn't real because it was kind of like just on TV. What was real for me was the Medicine Hat Tigers of the Western Hockey League. I idolized those guys. That was my dream. So um, having the opportunity to play in Medicine Hat was a dream come true. Um, Russ Farwell, Farwell was the GM uh, of the Tigers. They listed me. They didn't have a draft back then. I was actually on the protected list when I was 12 years old, which is extremely rare. But, um, you know, so to live that dream out and then to actually win back-to-back Memorial Cups was uh, beyond um, incredible. So that was, uh, that was a really special experience. I mean, that year I, I turned 18, I, uh, I won the World Junior uh, – sorry, uh, May of 87, uh, I won the Memorial Cup. Uh, that Christmas of 87, we went to <coughs> Moscow and won the World Juniors. We won another Memorial Cup in May of 88. I was drafted to the Vancouver Canucks in June of 88 and graduated from high school in June of 88. And in September of 88, I was at my first training camp in Parksville, BC for the Vancouver Canucks with Harold Snaps as my roommate. So that was a hell of a year. Unbelievable. Wow. What a, what a walk down memory lane. Absolutely incredible. So, so they were, so we talk about hockey. We'll kind of jump into that now. So, you know, you, you were drafted, uh, second overall, uh, you ended up at, uh, in Vancouver, um, you know, and then two years later in Vancouver, and I, I mean, like, you know, the youngest captain in the league, like, how did that happen? They just came to you one day, Trev, and they said, because yeah. it's interesting. You said something to me really, really that resonated with me the other day when we were chatting. You said, Gary, I always got the most out of what I was given. I never had the most talent. I always had to, to work for it. And to actually take that when you weren't the most talented, but you just, you know, you had this consistency mm-hmm. and then we're given the C at, at, you know, at 21 years old. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was a lot, Gary. I mean, I, I was always a real responsible kid. I was this, I was a kid that, you know, w- w- you know always tried to do the right thing, was prepared, worked hard. Um, you know, I remember going to the Y when I was 12 years old, I had no idea what I was doing. The YMCA in Medicine Hat. I was watching the older kids work out thinking, if I do this, this is going to make me a better hockey player. And, you know, I mean, I was just, a, I was driven. I wanted to be a hockey player. And, and so, when I got drafted, obviously Pat Quinn was the manager, and he had such a huge impact on my uh, on on my life, on my career as a hockey player, as my, you know, as just as a person. I think um, Pat was a special man, and um, you know, I mean, you know, the captaincy at at twenty one, you know, looking back, that was a lot. That was a lot of pressure. I mean, I, I you know, and when, but I wanted it. I wanted that pressure. I wanted I wanted that responsibility. Um, and thankfully I had a lot of good people around me when I think of, um, you know, the, you know, the Stan Smeals and the, and the Garth Butchers and the Doug Lidsters and, and, okay. and, um, these types of guys that, that, that were really supportive of me and, and everything. So that was, that, that was important. And I, I think, you know, I think throughout our lives, you know, through high school or junior hockey, or mm-hmm. for me, you know, we have mentors and for me, Pat was, uh, was special. Pat taught me about leadership and about uh people and pat had an amazing ability to uh uh to be uh he he cared about people and i think any person in a leadership position first and foremost you got to care you got to care about your people you got to be you have to have empathy you have to be you have to be firm pat was tough he was hard but he was fair and i think that that really resonated the other thing great thing that pat 
did was that he recognized guys, people's strengths. He knew he would never ask. He wasn't going to ask Cliff Ronning to run over someone in the corner. He wasn't right. going to ask, uh, you know, Sergio yeah. Momesso to, you know, you know, be, uh, you know, dipsy doodle in, in, in center ice. I mean, right. He, 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 he recognized people and knew what they, what their strengths were and asked them to get as much out of that as they could. And, and, and so Pat was, he treated people the right way. And that, that resonated throughout the entire organization, not only the hockey team. So he was, he was a special person for me. Yeah. I know you had a lot of mentors sort of, as you went through, through your journey. Um, and, and I think, is it fair to say Pat was, you know, probably the one that had the greatest impact and he recognized your talent early and, and, you know, and, and sort of developed that nurtured that, uh, was there any other, other, other that stand out? Yeah. You know, I mean, as, as players, I was drafted in 1988, came into the league and obviously Pat was the manager. He became coach a couple of years later and not only he was such an amazing teacher of the game. He loved to teach. His passion was really coaching. And when he came back and, and was the coach, uh, boy, um, he was an amazing guy to be around. You know, I, I have an interesting story. Um, you know, you, as a young player, 92, I went to the All-Star Game in Chicago and met some of the greats, the, you know, the Steve Eisermans, the Ray Borks, the Mario Lemuse, the Wayne Gretzky's. Went to the All-Star Game again in 93 in, in Philly. And, um, and then, um, but it wasn't until, um, you know, and, and I, one of the guys I met was Steve Eiserman and I always loved Steve because, uh, he was, he was a down to earth guy and, and, um, he, he was real. And, and I, you know, so a story of when we went to Nagano and, and so when you get a collection of these all-star teams, this, this, and, and we went to Nagano, uh, we were the first NHL team to go to the Olympics. So. Wow. You know, the greatest of the greatest players were there. I was thankful to be a part of that group. But, you know, seeing a guy like Eiserman, who was the, uh, you know, you know, led the league in goals, MVP was was, you know, one of the one of the great Stanley Cup champion, you know, seeing him in that environment where he was like, you know, checking his ego at the door. Hey, I'm all in. What do you need me to do to be successful? And and, and I have to say, you know, Gary, being around, play, I played in the World Cup in '96, played in the Olympics in '98, and you you realize um, a lot of the great players who you thought were great when you get up close, and a lot of those guys weren't willing to do that, you know. And Steve was one of these guys that, hey, I'll do whatever it takes. You want me to kill penalties? You want me to check on the third line? I'm right. good with that. Where some of these guys are like, hey, I mean, I, if I'm not on the power play, I'm taking my ball and going to go home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. not. Not that they're going to quit, but they yeah. you can tell they're just not, yeah. they're not, into it. they're not willing to sacrifice. And, you know, seeing a guy and that's, so I'll never forget that experience seeing, uh, seeing Steve uh, behave that way in that environment was such a, such a message to me that um, great leaders, great people, they do what, what's got to be done, you know, that, you know, and they're willing to set their ego aside uh, and, and be, and do whatever it takes to, to have success. And, you know, whether it's a hockey team or whatever team you're a part of a business team, I mean, that's, that's impactful. So for me, that was a real, um, a real lesson, uh, for me, uh, as a, and I was young, I was 20, 27 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It's funny. Cause I look back and, uh, you know, at all those experiences along the way, and we talk about our parents and it's, isn't it interesting how you look back and you go, well, 
I actually had an accidental mentor and it was my parents that sort of got me started and supported me when I was young and how that translates through, uh, through life. Um, it's interesting because if you look at, at sort of your hockey career and I mean, God, uh, when I was prepping again, I was just, I was just so blown away by sort of some of the things, right. I mean, you know, as we said, we talked about, so you played obviously 20 years in the NHL and, and 16 years on two different stints with Vancouver. Of course, uh, you played a short time in, uh, in long Island for the Islanders. Um, and for uh, Montreal and, and then Washington, um, you know, but you also during during that time, you know, you led the league as the league Ironman at one time, I think with 437 or 438, you know, games. You played in five tournaments for uh, Team Canada. You know, we talked about the Olympics already. Um, and then and then on top of all that, you 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 were representing the players in the NHLPA. Mm-hmm. So. Like, how did that come about? I mean, you had so much on your plate all the time. All of a sudden, you know what? You're representing the NHL Players Association. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must have held you in very high regard with the rest of the players throughout the league. Yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, I got involved in the Players Association in 1992, um, partly because, like, you know, I, I say that because I cared, because I wanted to have a voice at the table. I wanted to be informed. I wanted to understand the business. Um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, when I think about when I first came in the league in 1988, we were at the Pacific Coliseum. I could walk into the business offices of the Vancouver Canucks and I would know everyone by their first name. I would know their kids' names. That's how that's how many people were part of that organization. You walk down to Rogers Arena now. I mean, there are hundreds of people that walk that, that work. I mean, it has gone from a mom and pop business from when I started mm-hmm. to when I left. It was big business. And right. so. You know, I wanted to, you know, I looked at my, my life and said, you know, I never got the opportunity to go to post-secondary education. So um, I barely graduated high school and I wanted to learn. I wanted to understand the business that I was involved in that. So when, you know, when decisions had to be made that I was informed. So that was um, uh, th- that was the start in 92. And I was part of the licensing committee and worked on different committees. And and then in 2000, I became the president. Of course, that was right up to the run-up uh, um, uh, to the lockout or to the yeah. labor disruption of 2004, which was, yeah, which was brutal, Gary. I mean, that was, I mean, I look back how hard that was. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, I think that we all grow from difficult, challenging situations. That certainly was that, um, you know, we missed a full season and um, I was in a tough, tough, tough spot. Um, you've got guys that, think about it you got guys that have you know seven eight ten year careers and they're calling me saying trevor i just lost a year of my career a year and let me understand this you 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 want me to sacrifice another year and these were these were hard calls and then you get the call from the other guy saying you know, and this maybe the other guy was a multi-million dollar player who had played for 15 years and made a bunch of money and say, hey, we're going to we're going to stick it to these owners. And, you know, so finding the right balance and trying to figure out what was fair. And I think that the, the key to the whole negotiation in 2004, I could write a book on that itself, was, mm-hmm. you know, when you're sitting across a table in negotiations with six people on one side and six people on the other side, and you're handing proposals back and forth, you get nothing done. That is just for show. Where we got somewhere is when we, when I sat down one-on-one or in small groups with, with Harley Hotchkiss, the owner of the Calgary Flames, and Harley, who's an honorable man, said, guys, these are our problems. These are our challenges. This is why this doesn't work anymore for us. 
you know, and you look in the whites of their eyes and you understand that business and you can say to them, well, these are our challenges or this is, you know what I mean? It start you start to make some headway. And, and we started to do that and got to a place where I'm proud of the work that we did. I mean, the committee, the, you know, our committee was, was dealt a really challenging hand, but um, you know, I'm proud of the work we did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got lots to cover here, but I want to just go to a couple questions here um, yeah, just so sure. we can pick through them. So first one, what was the most challenging aspect aspect of moving into the corporate world from your time in hockey? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I was in Montreal, um, I got to meet uh, Dickie Moore and I, I'd always had a, a, a lot of respect. I, I always, I find, uh, I said this, uh, this to you yesterday, Gary, athletes and what they do after their career whether it's basketball players, baseball players, football players, hockey players, what do they do after their career? A lot of them stay in the game. Some of them, you know, and it's, it, it's so fascinating to see. And, and I remember talking to Dickie Moore who, you know, those guys didn't make a lot of money. They, he played in the fifties and sixties and he went in the rental business in, in Montreal and in Quebec, uh, you know, equipment rental, super successful uh, uh, guy. And I always had a lot of admiration for, for players that, you know, could distinguish, Hey, I was a hockey player. And then I, I, I moved into another business and, and didn't have to rely on hockey to, 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 I found another way to be successful. And, and when I retired in 2008, I really said to him, I said, you know, listen, I need to take a couple of years to figure out who I am and what I'm good at and what direction, where my passions lie. And I really wanted to be independent of the game and, and find a new, a new path. And so, um, you know, and, and when doing that, I mean, it's not a, it's not a linear type thing. You're going to make mistakes. And, you know, I went into the development business and we had a couple successful, uh, smaller projects, you know, um, 10, 15 million, uh, million dollar projects. And, and, um, and then I had a one that wasn't so positive and I moved from that. I met Chuck and we went into the fitness business, which was, which has been a, just an amazing experience. Chuck's been a great partner and, and I, and so just through kind of different avenues, you kind of found, I kind of found my way. And I think the important thing was that um, with the fitness business, I felt, found something that aligned with who I was. That was, you know, that was, that was authentic to, to, to what I was about. I believed in it. I, I knew that for me, fitness was an important part of my life. It's an important part of my mental health, my physical health. So it was, uh, oh, geez, look at that. Eh? Running with a suit on. Uh, so I knew it was, uh, so, I mean, you just kind of follow your, your, your passion, follow what, what works for you. But it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I mean, um, and I was always the type of guy that, you know, yeah, I know a lot of guys that, that it's hard for them to leave the game. I was excited about leaving the game. I'd had an amazing 20 year run, but I was ready for the next chapter. I was ready for the next challenge. I was ready to, you know, I've met so many incredible people, uh, you know, working with Chuck and certainly our relationship, Gary and, and the things that we've done in the past few years. I mean, it's just been, um, yeah, it's just been really rewarding. And, and I, just a little story for you. I mean, I got, I mean, the adrenaline rush as a hockey player is 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 scoring a goal or winning a game. I mean, there's nothing like it. And when you leave the game, it's kind of a void. And, and um, so Chuck Lawson, my partner, my fitness partner, we were going to open our first club in Coquitlam. And, and uh, you know, we, we had this great concept. We had a great facility. And I kind of said, I remember I said to him, I said, Chuck, are we going to like, and, and we we're starting our pre-sale at, at the Coquitlam center mall. And I said to him, Chuck, are we going to sell any, are we going to sell any memberships tomorrow? You think like, and he goes, <laughs> I think we are. And so <laughs> the rush of seeing, I remember I was out there on day one, 
the lineup for our presale was out the door. I've never, I mean, it was, it was like winning a game. It was like, you know, so you have those moments in business that, um, you know, really equal what I felt as an athlete. And, and it was pretty special. Yeah, it's interesting. What, what, what a lot of you probably don't know is that uh, I'm actually a partner to Trev and Chuck in, uh, in Club 16. And, you know, uh, that sort of tenacity and consistency and, and commitment that I think Trev helped you largely in your career has helped you in business. Uh, talk to me. I know we know, you know, it's interesting because I know your transition and what you've done, but and the different businesses that you've been involved in. Um, and I love the way you actually turned this. So I'm going to I'm going to give it to you. So tell us about your foray into affordable housing. <laughs> well, I talked earlier about my my when I first left uh, left the game. I left. I retired. I played my last game in April of 2008. I bought a piece of property in Victoria to do a development on in May of 2008. And what happened in September of 2008? The world fell apart. The economic meltdown. So I had this piece of property in in uh, in Victoria and was trying to do a development there, which was like pushing a rock up a hill. So. I realized there was a lot of moving parts to developing and uh, there was a lot of risk involved. So I thought I need to find something that's boring and uh, and that when I sleep at night, um, I'm still uh, I'm still making some money. And so I got into the what I call the affordable housing, which is which is mobile home parks um, started buying uh, in 2010, uh, 9, 9, 10, 11, 12 um, mobile home parks and um, just. Um, it's a very boring business. I find that uh, we don't own any infrastructure. We own pads, and um, yeah, and so that's um, I, I, you know, I think that uh, I've, I've looked for some diversity. Obviously, active business being Club Sixteen, she's fit. Um, you know, I've got uh, uh, you know, and then I've got the boring side of it, which is kind of um, you know managing mobile home parks. Yeah, which is it's really interesting how you look back and you just cut, you find yourself in in these areas that you just never thought you'd be into. Right. But, you know, um, and you've been very successful at mobile home parks, Trev. So, you know, we know that you've, you know, grown that business uh, remarkably. I'm going to jump to another question quickly. David, you got another one there queued up. Uh, Where's your favorite area to go ski touring in BC? Why don't you tell uh, about what well, you just did? Is, yeah, this is right. Up my, well, you know what? Yeah. So I retired in 2008 and I remember thinking, boy, I can't, I've, I was a hockey player for 20 years. And, you know, when you're a hockey player, you're weekend, you have no weekends. I mean, you, you, the season starts, your training camp starts in September, you know, you're finished in May and it's like, there's no, there's no weekends. It's basically game day or practice day. That's what it is. And so, um, so I just could not wait to be a skier. And so, um, and since I've got into ski touring and, and done a couple trips in Europe, uh, the one in the middle there, that's Jackson Hole. That's the Grand Tetons there, uh, right in the middle of that one there. Yeah. And um, so that's in Jackson. Uh, and I mean, I just love spending time in the mountains with my friends. Um, uh, I was just up in Blue River, uh, up in the Caribou Mountains between Blue River and Belmont in a hut for five days a couple weekends ago. I'm heading up to Whitecap Al uh, Alpine this weekend, uh, which is kind of a 15 minute heli ride from Pemberton. Um, you know, Sea to Sky is amazing. I've skied in 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 the Kootenays. Rogers Pass is a special place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I um, I, I have I, I don't I, I my thankfully my wife is a lion. She loves skiing as much as I do. So we don't really um, from we have a no travel or only ski travel from like December first to like uh, April fifteenth. So um, um, 
So there she is there. That's our little guy. There's Roman. He That's was two so weeks cute. old there. Our friend was doing an Ironman in, in Whistler. So we're up there cheering for him. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I love to be out in the mountains and, and, uh, hiking around no lifts, no lift lines. Uh, and so it's, it's pretty special. We're going to go back to another question here in a minute, but before we do, uh, I want to, uh, I want to talk about heartbreak. Um, you yep. know, you work so hard for something and you think you're so close and then yep. you just fall a little bit short and, you know, specifically I'm talking about uh, the run in 1994, yep. uh, you're into uh, Stanley cup finals. You were down three games to one. I mean, I remember watching that series. You guys came back, brought it to, uh, you know, game seven in, in New York city. Um, it was, and I mean, you know, as I said, that particular team was a very, very special team. Like, you know, I remember those those players in that team and how just gel you were. And, the, you know, it was just the 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 city was just, you know, absolutely uh, intoxicated by by that yeah. team. Tell us a little bit about that run that year yeah. and that group yeah. of guys and then how you dealt with it after just being a little bit short. Yeah, I'll maybe just step back a little bit from that actual year. And, and you know, Pat came in 87. I was drafted in 88. You know, he made the he made the running, uh, Momesso, Courtnell, uh, Hedekin trade, uh, and then and then um, you know we we that '92 season we were we were the we won the Smythe division. We we're the best team in the Smythe. We ended up losing to the Oilers in the second round. '93 we were supposed to go deep again. We lost to the L.A. Kings, who went and lost in the Stanley Cup final that year. So '94, uh, first half of the year, we struggled. We weren't very good. We had a bunch of people injured. Uh, and uh, we picked up Marty Jelena after Christmas. We picked up Tim Hunter. We got some guys healthy again. We traded Peter Nedved and got uh, Jeff Brown and Brett Hedekin and Nathan Lafayette at the deadline. And so we kind of got on this run, uh, you know, down 3-1 to Calgary, came back. Obviously, Pavel scored. I scored in game six in overtime. Pavel scored in game seven, an incredible goal. Uh, and that kind of set us. We went into Dallas and beat them in five. And I think the coolest thing about that 94 year, can you imagine today if, if there was a conference final between Vancouver and Toronto? I mean, that would be, I mean, people's heads would explode, right? But that's what happened in 94. And people talk about, you know, that, 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 that Ranger series. But what was really amazing was that was the Vancouver-Toronto series, which, oh, yeah. you know, like incredible. Like, so started out in Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, won, won the first game, lost the second, came home for three because we're playing a 2-3-2 two, two, uh, series at that time. And, you know, managed to beat uh, the Leafs on home ice in game five, which was, uh, and, and that, I, I don't know if you remember, Gary, but the weather that spring was just ridiculous, right? So, yeah. I mean, it was beautiful. The guy, people were going to the games, we're playing Toronto, we beat them in game five. I mean, the city's going nuts, right? And and so um, go into the Rangers series and I'll never forget, you know, we claw back from 3-1 and I'll never forget going into um, uh, game seven thinking, holy shit, I am 60 minutes away from carrying the Stanley cup. Like I, I could, I, I, like tonight I could be, I could be carrying. And it was, you know, I mean, not only for yourself being a lifelong dream, but for the city you play for and the province you play for and the Canuck fans. And, you know, so um, a quick story too. So, so uh, get to the rink. Uh, we had a, a police escort from our hotel to Madison square garden. I mean, we're zipping through Manhattan, you know, uh, bikes going past us, blocking traffic. It was crazy. We get yeah. to the garden, you know, blur, we get dressed and you're just, your mind is a mess, right? I step out on the ice for warm up, and the pucks were on the ice and I, I step out and I, 
I go I go to pick up a puck and I basically just missed it. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, like like am I that messed up here? Like I you know and. Yeah. I was always, and, and so I'm in warm up and I'm like, just like, oh my God, oh my God. And I was one of those guys that, you know, um, when the puck dropped, I was always at my best at seemingly in big games and, and certainly playoff, uh, playoff games and stuff. And, and, um, you know, it, it didn't work out that night for us, uh, Gary. And, and, um, it, it was probably the most empty feeling I've ever had because you, you think about the two months of, you, you know, to coin a, uh, 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 a phrase, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, and literally, guys are banged up, you know, broken ribs, and you know, separated shoulders, and you know, and and um, uh, you know, and you got nothing, and it's it's it takes a long time to move past that, and it hurts. Um, yeah. But I think, like I said earlier, I mean, all really challenging, tough situations, and that with the you know the book grit that we're talking about is we talk about our kids and. You know, especially today, we never want to see our kids fail. Like, like you know, and I'm, and I, I, it's a great book for for parents with kids. And and I think about my son who's four and a half, and kids learn. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, you know, they learn about coming back from getting knocked down. You have to learn that, and, and you know, it hurts. It hurts. But you know, I think that as a parent, we our kids have to fail. We have to see them fail. They have to understand failure to understand success. And one of the things I saw being an executive with the team is just, you know, some of the, some of the entitlement that goes along with kids these days, you know, and, and that's, this, these are, these are NHL prospects. Um, uh, and, and you realize that, that, you know, tough situations, failure uh, ultimately make us, make us better. And I think that for me personally, failing in 94 like that, I mean, at the end of the day, makes you come back stronger and, um, understand who you are. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, it's funny because you were always known as a guy too that, you know, what you did, you know, one way you did always. Everything you did, you were always a consistent guy. So you didn't have to get up for the playoffs, right? Like like you were you were a perennial, you know, top performer in the playoffs for yeah. I mean, for every year. Why 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 was that? Why were you wired that way? Or what you know was interesting? Yeah, Gary. And the, the interesting thing, I was a. I was a good player throughout the regular season. I never had big numbers. I was kind of a, you know, 60, 70 point guy. But the one thing that that I did do is, and, and, and the re, but I was always a very good player in the playoffs. And my game seven record, you know, when, when the more, the more that was on the line, the better I played. And, and I, I say that, and I, I, the reason for me that was the way is because I didn't have, I didn't change my game. My game was built on details, was built on structure. I did the same things in game one, in game 30, in game 50, than I did in game, uh, you know, one of the playoffs or game seven of the playoffs. My game never changed. So I never had to adapt in any way. And, and I think that, you know, when, you know, when, when we get, you know, results oriented as, as professionals or a hockey player, when we think about, Hey, I haven't scored in six games. I have to score tonight. I have to, you know, I have to, I have to perform. That's when we get off track. And for me, it was always about, Hey, what's the process? What process, what steps do I need to take to be successful tonight in tonight's game? And, you know, Hey, think about my first shift. Think about the little things I need to do every step of the way. The results will come. And that's, I think that, um, you know, I said earlier, I, 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 I feel like I got uh, the most out of, what was given to me uh, from a, from a, from an athletic standpoint and from a, from a hockey standpoint. And I was, I was, um, I was a good playoff performer because 
I knew that the little things mattered and I never changed that game. One of the regular season or game one of the playoffs, I did the same thing. Yeah. So inspiring Trev. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So I'm going to take one more question here and then I'm going to jump into sort of, uh, you know, community spirit and, mm -hmm. and giving back and, you know, that sort of thing. So David, there is a, what do we got there? Hi Trev. Thanks for all you've done both on and off the ice for someone as successful as yourself. Can you talk about how you overcame any self doubt? procrastination or other self-made obstacles? Great question. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, is, I think there's within, with all of us, I mean, we have, you know, I'm no different. I mean, I had times throughout my career where I questioned myself and, and um, you, you, you question whether you're capable, whether you're up for it, whether, you know, and I think that um, I, I go back to what I talked about a little earlier is that, is it, we, we have to have a, a foundation of where we go back to. What what do we rely on? What are the what are the habits every day that we do? What you know? What is our foundational core beliefs that if I do this and I do this every single day, you know, I'm going to that is that is going to put me on the right track. And you know, I think that when we start to doubt people, we or, or sorry, when we start to doubt ourselves, we're actually doubting the result down the road and it's like okay hang on here let's not get down the road let's just think about today right. let's just think about tomorrow let's what is our foundation what what do we believe in what do we know that if we do these things on a consistent basis these consistent habits that that is gonna you know you know if i'm prepared if i've done my homework if i'm if i'm if i'm banging on the door if i'm if i'm doing the right things on the day-to-day -day basis you know, I think that takes a lot of the, uh, you know, that self-doubt, that procrastination, that uncertainty, because ultimately when we have that, we become frozen. We, 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 we don't, you know, we're, we're kind of locked. And, and so my, my thought on that is that, um, you know, have a plan and execute, you know, I mean, like, you know, when, you know, when we, and that was so, so great about Pat Quinn, you know, Pat Quinn took the game and said, yeah, hey, we want to we want to win the game at the end of the night. But how do we do that? And so, um, you know, it, it's about having a plan and executing. And if we do that from shift one, you know, we'll get the result we want. I mean, or we'll 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 come damn close, but we'll we'll get there. And, and I think that's that's safe to say for anyone out there, you know, with whatever business you're in. Yeah, no, so true. Such good advice. Um, Trev, let's talk about, you know, sort of you were just you were beloved. You still are for your engagement in the community. I mean, you brought the community together and you've done that for many years. You know, not only did you get obviously the Order of BC, but you also got the Order of Canada, which is it's for community engagement. It's, it's actually the country's highest honor and recognition of a lifetime of outstanding dedication to community and service to to the nation. Like, how does that happen? Someone just phone you one day and say, hey, Trevor, giving it to you. Like, where does that like? Like explain that to us, number one, and then and then explain to us also, um, you know, some some of the BC Children's Hospital and the hospice, which is you know a center for terminally ill children and their and their kids. I mean, you were you 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 were you led that team right by example, and because of that, many others on the team and all the years to follow right followed your leadership around uh, those principles. I think this I think this goes back to mentors. It goes back to building a culture. When I think about coming here as an 18 year old uh, from Medicine Hat, I had no idea what 
philanthropy, what being part of the community was about. I just didn't know. No one had taught me anything about that. I'll never forget one of the meetings, first meetings I had as a Vancouver Canuck. Pat Quinn was like, uh, you know, we expect a lot of you. You know, we expect a lot from you on the ice. Of course, that's your job. But we expect this group to be part of this community and we expect a lot of you off the ice. And that really resonated with wow. me. And, and 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 that leadership from Pat, from the Griffiths family um, to get involved, to be involved. And, you know, once I kind of got started with Ronald McDonald House and, you know, we I was there for the for the groundbreaking of uh, Canuck Place. And um, just being part of that was um, I always felt that I was so lucky to be doing what I was doing, uh, to be healthy, to, uh, to be fulfilling a dream, um, that the least I could do was to make a difference uh, for people that weren't as fortunate as me. And, and um, I had some amazing experiences, met some amazing people. Um, I'll never forget, you know, early in my, my career and going to Children's Hospital and Canuck Place and Ronald McDonald House and spending time with kids that were, you know, uh, fighting cancer. And, you know, these kids were amazing. They gave me so much spirit and so much uh, uh, energy because they just had this amazing uh, uh, belief uh, about them. And, and, and I always, I remember this because I, and I, I, I told, so understand it now because my high, I have my own child now who's four and a half and, and that these kids had so much vigor and lust and, and like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to beat this. And, then I'd spend some time with the parents and look in their eyes. I could see the fear and the scare and how scared they were. And it really, really, you know, hit home. So, you know, like to, um, to, you know, my brother said something to me interesting early in my career. He said, Trav, he says, you know, you have this incredible gift. He says, how many people can just walk into a child's hospital room and make a difference for them? Mm, yeah. Light them up. You can. And I thought, wow. You know, I'm going to, you know, I, I kind of resonated with me and I was kind of like, I'm going to, you know, take advantage of that gift because I won't have it forever. I don't have it now because the kids don't know who the hell I am because they're, they're too young to remember me. But um, but back in the day, I mean, to have a kid to the game, to spend some time with him away from the rink to, you know, was uh, it was um, it was really special. And I have to say, I mean, as much as I gave, I got as much back and um, it was a pretty special place to be. And I met some amazing people along the way as well. Yeah. And uh, on behalf of, of everyone, certainly watching us today and um, you know, from me to you, I can't sit, I can't tell you this, you know, enough, but I mean, that is what resonates, um, you know, the most with me, just that work, that continued work that you did and continue to do for, for so long uh, was incredible. I mean, I think that's really, um, you know, your DNA and, and who you are. Right. And I think that, but Gary, I said this to you yesterday. I said to you that um, one of the biggest compliments I get, and and um, people come up to me all the time and say, "Hey, you're Trevor Linden," and and um, and uh, you know, and they'll say, and and one of the coolest things I get is I is that when they say, you know, I'm not a hockey fan. I've never really liked hockey, but I've always really admired you. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that is really cool. And and I'm I'm just kind of humbled by that, and and um, you know, really blown away but it's um um i mean it's uh, i've always said i've i've had a very special relationship with the fans of the vancouver canucks and the people of bc and just yeah it's been a, it's been really cool and i'm i'm uh, i'm super grateful 
Yeah. Let's talk about, um, we got maybe, you know, 10 or 12 minutes left or whatever we have, but let's talk about sort of some coaches along the way. Uh, you know, obviously you loved, you know, Pat Quinn, the big Irishman. And yeah. who, who, who is the most difficult coach that you ever, you ever played with that you just thought, Oh my God, like this is, this is so much work to want to work for this guy. Yeah. I mean, without going into too much detail, I mean, obviously right. it's pretty well documented, but Mike Keenan would probably be right. the guy that uh, was that's where I was guy, going. The, the guy that was, um, um yeah it was it was a crazy time you know i can't it was it was completely uh that was a weird time man it was uh, i'll never forget that summer i was i was driving back from from worcester with christina and uh and i listened to the radio and i'm like wow geez we just traded for mark messier and yeah. and right away the wheels started turning like it was like well i mean he's he's the captain of the new york rangers and he's coming here and i know that he's probably <coughs> thinking he needs a leadership position and so i i was kind of at training camp we're in japan uh you gave and, him the tea uh, yeah I, well i offered him i offered it to him and he took it so obviously it was important to him to have and and um but that was a difficult situation and of course pat left and mike came in and it was it was a mess um so it yeah. was completely it was it was chaotic he was everything he was completely opposite he was everything opposite that 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 Pat Quinn was, and it was hard to, that was a, that was a challenging time. And having said that, you know, when I came back to the Vancouver Canucks um, in 2001, that was a great, I mean, I love, I came back to, uh, and that was Mark Crawford and Jack McElhargy and, and Mike Johnson. That was that coaching staff. And, you know, you talk about um, great leaders and, and people in, in mentorship positions. And I'll never forget Mark, uh, sitting me down really early because I was nervous as hell to come back to this team. I mean, I'm like, my God, I had 10 great years here and now I'm back. I mean, oh my God. We didn't and, sleep the night before or something. I mean, it uh, was like this city welcomed you back. They were so excited to have you back. Gary, I, I was a mess. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, this is, this is, I didn't, you know, so, but um, Mark brought me in and said, listen, Trev, we don't need you to score goals. We don't need you to be a point per game guy. Don't worry about that. You come here, you be you, you come in and mentor, be, be, be a leader for some of these young guys. Just go play your game, do the right things. Every, just, just, he just talked about the process. Just do your thing. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about results. Don't worry about scoring. We don't need you to score. I walked out of there. Like someone took a 50 pound weight off my back and I was like, okay. And I'll never forget my first, I walked into the room First thing I did, I grabbed Marcus Naslin, who was the captain. I said, listen, I want you to know I am here to support you. I want to be part of this leadership group. I by no means expect anything more than that. If I can help at all, let me know. I'm I'm here for you. I want to I want to be part of your group and not take, you know what I mean? I don't want anything. And um, it was, uh, but that coaching staff, Gary, was uh, was awesome. They were great. And that was a lot of fun. Those teams, when I came back, you know, the West Coast Express and young group of players yeah. and Eddie Jovanovsky and Matthias Olin on the back end and uh, Brent Sopel and, and uh, Sammy Sallow. And it was, it, that team was fun to be a part of. And that coaching staff was so organized and it's just so, uh, such a good staff to play for. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, it's funny because uh, you played with a lot of really, really good players throughout your career. What was, was, I mean, you know, I, I sort of know the question when I'm going to answer it, but Pavel Beery, what was that like playing? Was he that special? Was he that elite when he came in? 
I mean, he was uh, a talent like no other. I mean, um, everyone remembers that first game against the Winnipeg Jets at, Jets at the Pacific Coliseum. And uh, he was in, in the in, so his physical skill aside, he was quick and powerful. And but he also had this he loved to score. He loved to score. He was driven to score. It didn't matter if the score was. If we were up six one or we were down six one, he wanted to score, and you know that's a that's a real characteristic of of great goal scorers. And and, and, and like, and I know what you're thinking, well, doesn't everyone want to score? Well, no. I mean, some some players like are just wired that way, and he was wired. He loved to score, and uh, he was he was special. That was a that was a pretty cool uh, that was a pretty cool time. Mm, yeah, no kidding. David, I know you got uh, one or two more questions that you were prompting me on. Do you want to uh, maybe just put one on the screen and we'll get to it? I think, great. Did you have the imposter syndrome as such a young captain? How did you get through it? Great question. Yeah, I mean, I um, I think at the end of the day, um, I was prepared. I was in a leadership role uh, with my junior team, and, and I was probably – more mature than I probably should have been at the time and, and was kind of at the end of the day kind of felt uh, when I look back, you know, I was probably should have been more of a kid at the time, but I, I wanted to be in a, in a leadership role. And I think that I played with, I played with heart. I, I wore my heart on my sleeve and, and I cared. And I think that, and I cared about people. So, and I had Pat Quinn and I had some good people around me. So, you know, I, 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 you know, it was, it was hard. I mean, I took losses hard. I took the team uh, performance to heart. Um, but I have to say, I, I, I wanted it. I wanted to, I wanted that pressure. I wanted to be counted on. I wanted to be uh, the guy that, that was, you know, in that position. So, um, you know, I, and I tried to be as authentic as I could. I, I, um, you know, it wasn't perfect for sure. And, uh, you know, you make mistakes, but um, at the end of the day, you, you do what's you feel is is right, and that's all you can be asked of. Yeah, yeah. Trip, do you set goals? Do you uh, were goals always part of your thing? Do you write in January or throughout the year or something, or you know, or is it uh, more of sort of a day to day thing, just living your principles? Or yeah, I mean, I think that when I was, uh, I think when I in my hockey playing life, I did I did write in a journal. I did talk about uh, you know. I, had reinforcements and, 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 you know, words that I used and, and goals that I had. Um, I've, I've kind of slid away from that a little bit. I'm kind of full-time dad and, and, uh, but, um, um, you know, so less so now, but I do, I, I do obviously have, you know, uh, some foundational things that I believe in. And, and, and for me, back to the fitness side of things, I, I know that I'm at my best when I'm, getting my exercise and being healthy and, and, you know, getting, spending some time, you know, I believe it's important for all of us to have some alone time. So that's something we're passionate about, whether, and for me, it's just spending time in the mountains and whether it be in the summertime hiking or, or whatever that may be, or, or skiing. So, um, so I think it's, you know, mental health is such a huge part of our lives and, um, you know, I believe exercise and, and getting that, those, positive endorphins. I, I, you know, I realized when I, when, when I left hockey in 2008, 
my job basically was that I went to the rink every day and, and we practiced or worked out or whatever. So that was part of my job. So when I left in 08, I kind of realized how much I missed that and how much I needed that, not only from a physical standpoint, but just from a mental standpoint, I'm a, I'm a better, better friend and better husband and better dad and better brother when, when I've got, uh, um, yeah, just where I'm getting, getting what I need. Yeah, I love that you said uh, you said or I read the interview or something or you said now your your job is you got this pursuit, you know, this lifelong pursuit now of of finding uh, like happiness and being happy. But you want to be the MVP of fatherhood. Yeah. And I thought that was and I mean, I yesterday, obviously, we were talking, right? You know, I saw Roman in the background and popped up and said hi. And yeah. you're, just, you're just you're absolutely loving that, aren't you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty special, Gary. I, I mean, obviously, my wife and I are both coming at this from an older age. I mean, we're I was 48 when Roman was born. So and I think it's interesting being an older parent, you kind of have a different perspective. And um, I know that I just know how fast this goes. I mean, he's going to go into kindergarten next year. I'm already sad to say that he's going to be gone all day. I pick him up every day from school now and we go, we come home and have lunch. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think really there he is. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's a lot bigger than that now, but uh, yeah. um, he's um, uh, and I think, I think Gary too, I think I've, I've gotten to a place in life where I'm so thankful that I'm able to be that full-time dad. And, and, but also too, I think just, you know, from a mental health standpoint, just um, finding a place where you're happy, finding happiness, finding uh, some satisfaction and, and some quietness and some calmness. And, and, you know, we live in such a, you know, a crazy world with the last two years of, of COVID, which has been so hard on so many families right. and so many individuals and business and, and what have you. And, and, you know, and we've got this incredibly sad situation happening in the Ukraine right now. And, you know, I mean, at times you can get pretty caught up and the world's a tough spot. I mean, and so just to find that inner peace and that happiness and, and that uh, calmness, I guess, is something that I'm, spending time working on um and you know and being roman's dad is is the biggest part of that for me and 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 um you know this is going to go incredibly quick uh like they say you only have you know 18 summers and so trying to maximize uh uh those those times and that's kind of my focus right now yeah trev you got uh just three or four minutes and then we'll wrap yeah for sure i got a lot of questions here i'm just gonna pick i'm gonna get I'm gonna have dave just pick us a couple other ones quickly yeah, to sure. go on and then we'll get yeah. through them uh, when is Trevor Linden's autobiography coming out? <laughs> Finally, we just spoke about that this morning. Yeah, it's funny. I've had, uh, I said to Gary this morning, I have, boy, I've had a lot of opportunity for that. I, I would be scared. I'm scared to see what might come out in that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just delving into the, the lockout of 04 and the Mike Keenan era and the Mark Messier area. Yeah, that's, um, that, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm afraid of that. So I'm not sure I can guarantee that's going to happen. <laughs> Next question, David. Who's your mindset uh, coach, Trev? Like, who do you look to, I guess, for, you know, who inspires you or do you look for to help you? You know what? Uh, you know, I, I think that um, mental health for everybody, I think, is so important. And, you know, I I, I, uh, I think everyone has their own place with it. And, and I think that it's okay. You know, I think it's more, less a stigma that, that we talk about it. But I have... Um, I have a bit of a life coach and therapist that I talk to on a regular basis. And um, it's just so, uh, and, and so, and I think that's so important. I mean, we spend so much time or we 
you know, at least, you know, thinking about our physical side and, and, you know, and, and, but, um, I think as a society, we, we need to dedicate more time to kind of, uh, uh, you know, our mental health and, and where we are with that. So, you know, I have a, I have a person I talk to, uh, regularly and, and sorting through things and figuring out things. And, and it's been really, really good. Yeah. Good for you. Okay, David, let's go. Last question. What is your secret for being such a great leader? I'll say this. There is no secret. <laughs> Leadership is actually, um, uh, I believe it to be pretty simple. Um, as I said about Pat Quinn, care about people, uh, uh, you know, do what you say you're going to do. Um, be authentic, be real, uh, be willing to do whatever it takes. If, if it, you know, get in the trenches, um, uh, you know, uh, give people autonomy, let them, you know, give them clear direction, be communicative. Um, uh, you know, um, you know, th those things are, um, and I think that, at the end of the day, it's it's your actions that speak louder than any words. And, you know, you can, you know, in a locker room, a, you know, a hockey locker room or in a boardroom, you can say what if, whatever you want. But if you don't back it up with action, people see right through that. And and the greatest characteristic characteristic of a leader is that they're authentic. They're real. And they're they, they're they're willing to admit admit a mistake. They're OK with failure, uh, but they are they they are real and and i think that's at the end of the day there is no secret to it it's just being being authentic working hard caring about people um and finding i think it's about finding your own style and your own way about being a leader and and you know people people can see that you know i mean that, that might have been the best answer around sort of leadership that we've ever had on this uh program I see my little girl, my my daughter, Marissa Morris, just commented. She goes on screen and said, there it is. My favorite level up to date. Super inspiring. Glad you enjoyed that, uh, honey. Um, Treb, I, I, usually, uh, I usually wrap with something that we call rapid fire. It's just uh, quick questions. Very, very quick. And uh, Terrible so at this, Gary. Yeah, well, it's good. okay. It's, these let's are easy it. ones. So, so first one, happy or content? Happy. Happy. Perfect. Talking or texting? Talking. Talking. You had to think about that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nickname, maybe your kids, your wife, or your parents uh, call you. T. T? Yeah, T. Okay, perfect. Your secret indulgence. Oh. Oh, I love, I love, like, yeah, cookies. Yeah. I'm a, you you yeah. like your sweets? Whenever it goes to bed, I sit and have my tea and eat my, find my little stash of chocolate. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, your your pet peeve. People being late. Yeah, it's one of mine too, actually. Yeah. Uh, favorite holiday. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's activity based skiing with you know whether Chris and I go or hiking or yeah, Mount, cool. spending time in the mountains hiking or skiing. Uh, favorite cocktail. Negroni. Negroni. Okay. Favorite music. Country. Eric country. Church. I love country. What goal is it you're still trying to achieve? Happiness. Happiness. Beautiful. 
And last one, Trev, what are you most grateful for? Oh boy. Uh, you know, or maybe I, what are you, what are you grateful for? Not even most grateful uh, for, but what are you grateful for? You know for? what, uh, Gary, I think that we are as Canadians, we are so lucky to live in this incredible country, the yeah. gifts that we are given, uh, the opportunities that we have. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm incredibly grateful for the amazing career I had, um, the health that I continue to have and hopefully have, um, uh, my son, which has been the greatest gift ever. Um, right. I mean, it's, the list goes on and, you know, I think that it, what we have and the opportunities we have in this great country, especially when we see what's happening in the Ukraine, um, it just makes it all the more uh, real. And I hope that as Canadians, we we see that and can uh, use that to be better. Absolutely incredible. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, just over an hour with Trevor Linden. Trev, just an absolute uh, privilege. I, I, it's so inspiring. Uh, I sat here and I've made a ton of notes myself. Thoroughly enjoyed the uh, the talk today. Thank you for everything you continue to do. Thanks for being such an inspiration and you know just such a barometer for you know down to earth and and you know and uh, sincerity. You talked about the the skill of a leader, number one skill of a leader, authenticity. Uh, you absolutely speak that language. So on behalf of all of our uh, live uh, listeners that are on live stream, uh, our people in all of our different groups and companies. Uh, I just want to say to you first, Dan, that we really appreciate you. And we are we are really grateful for, for the last hour. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, great to be with you, Gary, and great to be part of Level Up. I know you've had some incredible guests, so a little nervous coming on here, but hopefully uh, we had fun. I enjoyed every every minute of it. And yeah. hi, everyone out there, and hope you enjoyed it as well. It was actually really funny, Trev, and I didn't say that on, on today's call because I just, you know, but you had said to me, you know, we were talking, God, I don't know, three or four months ago about coming on or something, and uh and Trev sort of said right away, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I will, but I, I'm a little. What am I going to say? He says yeah. to me, like, I'm, I don't know, like, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm a guy for your for a program. I've seen some of your your episodes. I've watched some of your other podcasts. I'm kind of like, I can't, I can't measure. Yeah. I can't level up with those guys. Yeah, well, you you absolutely killed it, and I I knew you would. So uh, thank you. Just as we're going to wrap here, guys, I'm going to uh, David. We have another guest coming up. Our next guest is who? Our next guest is uh, Greg Westlake, uh, Paralympic ice sledge athlete and uh, medalist. That is Tuesday, April 12th, guys, 11 o'clock uh, again. Uh, looking forward to uh, to having Greg on the, on the program. Uh, again, want to thank uh, First National as our sponsor. Uh, just incredible partners to the Canadian mortgage space, incredible partners to uh, our group of companies. I want to thank David, the producer. Uh, and most importantly, all of you, our, our listeners, our viewers, that are tuning in, sending in great questions. We're going to send out a ton of books. Uh, thank you very, very much uh, for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Trev. Thanks guys. Thanks Gary.